0: Theory and identity politics must be given no place in the church. They insidiously subvert the free gospel of grace and the unifying power of the gospel. Indeed, they take our eyes off of Christ and fuel suspicion in one another. They are as divisive and incendiary as they are convoluted and wearisome. Christians must double down, in devotion to the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ for all nations. And so we hope and pray that this, during this tumultuous time in our culture, where there is so much division, uh, where so many uh, ideologies and lies are being touted in the media, uh, many of which are coming into the church, uh, our prayer is that we would stand firm for the sake of the gospel and that's what we're here talking about together here on episode 105 of between the times a podcast of christ church for christ church and i'm here with my dear uh, brothers uh, michael bauer and gabriel williams good to be with you guys good to be here we are here discussing critical race theory we began doing this in our last episode and we want to continue doing so now talking about uh, some of the, the ways that we have seen critical theory impacting the life of the church, uh, some might uh uh, roll their eyes and shrug their shoulders and say, oh, you guys are talking about a boogeyman. This this doesn't really exist. And I, I haven't seen this like you're talking about. I've actually heard people say that to me with mm. even mountains of evidence. But um, I wanted to, to begin this episode, guys, by uh, talking about some of the ways that we have actually seen critical theory impacting uh, the life of the church, even within our own denomination and the PCA. And then also, as we uh, carry on this discussion, to talk about what biblical categories are being ignored by critical race theorists and why it is uh, such a poisonous, uh, cancerous ideology to come into the church and why we must wholeheartedly reject it. So what are some ways that we've seen it come into the church?
1: uh, there are numerous examples we could cite, but um, we'll, we'll restrain ourselves to just a few. Um, one is, uh, the, the one, one that I'll, I'll read, a, a tweet from someone who is uh, a, a, um, an employee of a PCA church, not an ordained minister or, or elder, but um, works for a PCA church, and he says this, We know from church history... Christianity will never be able to advance racial solidarity in America. It never has in U.S. history and never will. It's going to have to be politics and economics." And so, uh, the, the author of this tweet is saying that Christianity, and and of course the, the heart of Christianity is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the gospel will never be able to advance racial solidarity. And never has. And it never has, mm-hmm. exactly. And uh, in uh, that, the, the only hope that we have for racial solidarity, for reconciliation between disparate races, uh, which of course is the implication of, of this tweet, is uh, politics and economics. So our government structure and the way we use our money uh, are going to save us, but the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot and will not it has no power, according
2: to this and Christian. what this basically means is that we're now looking towards the political action of sinful, flawed politicians <laughs> yes. to who apparently also are racist, right. <laughs> to fix deep abiding America's racist uh, problems that God himself cannot fix, according exactly. To. Now, on I'll speak here more uh, personally, one of the things I've observed, and this has been over the last five years, and this is among a lot of the African Americans I know, is that this is not... One of the things I mentioned in the previous episode is that we often, uh, when Christians use critical race theory, language, and concepts, it is often assumed that we agree on the foundations. Mm and that we're using critical race theory not merely to, we're using it primarily to address America's past racial issues. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that critical theory is not just valid, so to speak, for racial matters in America. It strikes at the very heart of Christianity as a whole because it's not just making a claim ultimately that we're dealing with particular American racial problems. The goal here is that the very foundation of the West and thereby by implication, the heart of Christianity is at its core racist. And I know several people uh, over my life for the last five years who have walked away from the faith because they did that reasoning. If it is true that the heart and soul of America and everything in it is racially motivated, That means it's true for everything in the West. That means it's also true for that which the West upholds with confidence, Mm -hmm. which would basically be the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And it has led to both apostasy and winden. It has led to now racially motivated cults on another side. And so for black people, one of the. Uh, cults have arisen it has been there for a while but has become more popular has been what is known as the black hebrew Israelite movement mm-hmm. because it proclaims a very strong pro-blackness aspect to it and it also strikes at the heart of what they would call white christianity and this is not just a fringe movement anymore it now is growing in cities because we now have a theory that's being used to strike at the very heart of both the mission movements of the 19th century and it strikes at the heart of what the actual scriptures themselves say. Because if you follow the logic, it makes sense if you believe it. If everything that Christians support is in some way or fashion intertwined with their whiteness and racism, then doesn't that mean there's something? inherently patriarchal flawed or perhaps racist about what comes from the scriptures Hmm. and it's not a big jump to go there and i know people have gone there and then there are also in speaking now more just uh, broadly american uh, oftentimes we think of critical race theory from the academy's perspective but you also got to hear how it's being taught at the popular level. Mm -hmm. Probably the most well-known popular author on anti-racist material is Ibram X. Kendi. Perhaps probably Robin is the other, but Mm -hmm. Ibram X. Kendi. And one of the most jarring statements, if you read his book, How to Be a Racist, Mm -hmm. is the following. The only way to cure past discrimination is by present discrimination. The only way to cure present discrimination is future discrimination (laughs) if that is true imagine what that means for the person who believes that basic idea and so a lot of us has probably seen articles and seen lots of reports on things that we just say that's clearly racist in a sense that we are now favoring one group of people over another deliberately to set things right Mm. but that is just in line with what the popular, down to earth layperson description of critical theory is, and as kind of evidence of how well this has seeped into general evangelicalism, some of the people of this podcast know the name Jamar Tisby. And a number of people know that his trajectory over the last five to mm-hmm. seven years has been very clear in terms of going from his original positions that you saw at the reformed african american network and over the last seven years he has now moved to the point where he is now working with ibm x kendi Mm. at this very moment uh based upon a recent uh announcement made from the center for anti-racism so Those who think that these are minor issues that are still in the academy, they're seeping into broader society in general, and they are already coming into the church.
0: And when you hear the name of this organization, the Center for Anti-Racism, it's kind of like hearing the name Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You think, well, this must be a really good thing, Mm -hmm. right? They must stand for for all the right things, and so I need to, to send some money to them, I need to get on board with them. But... Gabe, just as you quoted, Mm -hmm. he's basically saying, he is saying Mm -hmm. that the only way to deal with present discrimination is to have future discrimination. In other words, Mm -hmm. the only way to deal with present racism of any kind is to have future racism of some kind. Of course. To discriminate against uh, others. And so uh, you look at the center, it's called the Center for Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anti-Racism. And yet it's actually in its Sort of the its its guts, it's it's the you know what it's promoting is actually a kind of um, present and future racism ag- against the majority culture. Yeah,
2: it's what we would have called fifty years ago old-fashioned racism. Um, We're in some sense repeating the language we heard from the Jim Crow era. Mm-hmm. We're rehearing "separate but equal" again, just in a different form. So an example of this is if you've heard recent reports on uh, college graduations, there are now places that are having black graduations, Mm. white graduations, and Mm -hmm. Asian graduations. It's equal and separate. It sounds like separate but equal again. We're going backwards when it comes to our reconciliation ideas that we started off with in a sense. So when we talk about anti-racism, as a low kind of at the street level sort of discussion. We're not talking about the old fashioned way to deal with racism, which was to actually seek to reconcile people together. This is now a power struggle between different parties. And the point is, what side of this are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the ascending side Mm -hmm. that is rising with government and economic backing? Or are you going to be on the quote wrong side of history again? And we know where that ends, and we know what that sounds like at this point.
0: So we've talked about uh, a lot of things. Uh, some of the some of the a bit a bit academic, and the last episode, and and a little bit in this episode. And um, one thing we wanted to deal with um, in this episode is to is to ask the question: How do we as Christians respond to all of this? This this wicked. Poisonous ideology, which is is coming into the church, as if we have, uh, as if the scriptures um, are not sufficient mm-hmm. to deal with, you know, racism and sin and and these kinds of things, um, and then we need uh, this postmodern um, critical theory to be applied and brought into the churches and into our pulpits, um, as if the scriptures are not enough. I think it's important for us to remember uh, the Great Commission, the mission of the church, and how, if we follow and obey the Great Commission, then we necessarily uh, do not believe the lies of the culture, and we we focus on uh, the proclamation of the gospel, the making of mature disciples through the means of grace. So Christ said as a part of the Great Commission, to teach all that I have commanded you. And I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So uh, th- the question is, is, is Jesus commanding us to teach these worldly ideologies? Or does he, in fact, tell us, you know, through the Apostle Paul and others, to beware of these and not to let these ideologies take us captive? Because these mm-hmm. are the kind of ideologies that he uh, speaks of, isn't it, in the book of Colossians? Uh, I preached on these, these things a few um, weeks ago, where he writes in Colossians 2.6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And then he writes this, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, Mm -hmm. and not according to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, in the first century, there were uh, Gnostic philosophies, there were ideologies that uh, had been a part of the culture for some time, and you know were a part of the the pattern of thinking of some of the new Christians that were in the Mm -hmm. church. And then there were some wolves in sheep's clothing, Mm -hmm. right, that were coming in and actually teaching these things and trying to bring together worldly cultural lies uh... with scripture trying to meld them together which i think is what's happening a lot with the uh... the social justice yes. and critical theory um, it's being brought together melded with scripture in a way that is sophisticated and is bringing a lot of confusion into the church mm-hmm. um, so i think it's important for us brothers to to ask the question to answer the question how do we as Christians respond to all of this in a way that honors the Lord and the way that um, that glorifies Him and, 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 and loves our neighbor and is faithful to love our neighbor well? I think the first thing we need to uh,
2: at least wrap our head around is think about the goal of what the Christian ministry is. And this is what is seen in Ephesians chapter 4, mm-hmm. that the goal of... Our Lord Jesus giving gifts to his body, which includes to pastors, teachers, etc. He says in Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, hmm. by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now, there's a lot you can go into there, but from a first level sort of standpoint, we need to consider the fact that we don't have an unstable doctrine that is changing all the time. Yeah. We are receiving what has been taught by the apostles and passed down generation by generation. If you consider what critical theory is, it is a novelty in the history of the church and the history of the world. And this is, in terms of the reference of this passage, this is literally a wave that has come by recently. And part of what the Christian goal is, is that you should be able to see these waves and you should be able to say, stay at the same place rooted and grounded in the faith. You're not meant to take everything that happens to you or comes into from the world and incorporate it and embrace it to you. The way that a Christian learns to to discern truth is by being firmly established in it. And that means it needs to be taught consistently. You need to be grounded in it. You need to know the scriptures well. You need to know what the church has always taught about these matters. And the reality is that the scriptures give us very clear categories of how men relate to each other and how we ought to relate to God. These mm-hmm. are very clear categories given. So one example would be the doctrine of sin. We know what the scripture, st- scripture itself says about the nature of sin, and the deceptiveness of sin. We know yes. that sin is not just something out there that exists with categories of people on their power struggles. We know that sin is at the heart of every person, and it's so deeply rooted in that person that it has manifestations in different places. Mm-hmm. That means we cannot ever expect that a political strategy or an economic strategy can deal with the actual indwelling presence of sin, whether it's a believer or unbeliever. So at one basic level, when we talk about how to respond to critical theory, we say critical theory gets sin incorrect because it misunderstands man.
0: And it's never in relationship to God. Exactly. It's always in relationship to man to man, and man is, everything's always shifting, and from one Mm -hmm. person to another, or one textbook to another, What is their sin is going to change. Yes, that's
2: right. And if you, and we've talked about this at uh, recent Sunday schools, the goal is very different. The chief and highest in the man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That means the Christian has a Godward orientation. Sin <laughs> distracts you from that and pulls you back down and makes you hostile mm-hmm. to God and to man.
0: And by the way, also puts us all on the same level. Exactly. Right? We're yeah. all there at the foot of the cross. All need yep. reconciliation to God. So a proper yes. doctrine of sin, a proper Christian anthropology has mm-hmm. you pointing at yourself first exactly. and not right. at other people.
2: Yes. Right.
0: And that's the one of the main problems with critical theory is it's a constant... Uh, They, it's them, it's all about them and what Mm -hmm. they're doing to me. Or, you know, it's a a constant judging of other people based on uh, the the group that they belong to, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not about, I am a sinner. Mm -hmm. I need grace and salvation. Uh, It's a a pointing of fingers.
2: Amen. The other thing, and uh, this is the piggyback on this, this comes from uh, Carl Truman's uh, more recent book, The Rise and Triumph of the Self. And one of the things that's interesting in that book is the idea that we have lost the idea of the soul. And we now have the idea of the self the expressive self the one that demands attention demands satisfaction Mm -hmm. the old christian concept is the soul when we speak about the soul we speak of it in the bible in terms of the soul being sick being dead in sins and trespasses we speak about the soul in peril because of the various world the flesh and devil warned against it If, if you're thinking and again if you don't have christian categories That idea is nonsense to you. You think in terms of how the outside world, how the power structures are dealing with
0: my own self. Mm. And so when the church gives attention to that which is so important, which Mm -hmm. is the human soul, which is Mm -hmm. eternal. Exactly. And has an eternal dwelling place, Mm -hmm. either in heaven or hell. If that's not a a category they have, or at least one that they take seriously, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, they will uh, say, well, you know, you Christians are always talking about things that don't really matter. Exactly. What really matters <laughs> are the things that we're talking about taking right. place in the culture and politically.
2: Yeah, and what, what have you become? You've become a materialist, just yeah. like that. And yeah. now we're going back to the 20th century when it comes to all of the things that people say that you shouldn't call critical theory Marxist and etc. <laughs> one of the foundational aspects of marxism is the materialism That's it, the yeah. atheistic materialism in particular yep. you can't separate those no. the whole discussion on class warfare is based upon the idea that this is the only world yes. that there is it is the christian vision and the christian gospel that says the soul is eternal because you're living beyond
0: this world right so think about the madness brothers that the church would adopt large aspects of a theory which is which finds its origins in the academy mm-hmm. which is a which is godless mm-hmm. so this this theory actually does not um, have a biblical foundations. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have categories like the eternality of the human soul mm, or the frankly. existence of the human soul. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't have categories of salvation, spiritual salvation. Mm-hmm. And so when when this grabs a hold of the attention of the church, uh, largely because the church has this assumption of the narrative of what the culture is saying, thus adopting a kind of guilt narrative, mm-hmm. right, that... That uh, because these certain things are happening and I'm white and there was such a terrible thing as slavery uh, at, the, yeah. at the founding of this country, I must be associated with that mm-hmm. uh, in a way that makes me culpable and so I must say nothing. Yeah. I must say nothing. I must just listen, even if what's being said is is outright anti-biblical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. I was told at one point um, uh, in, a, in a what I thought was a friendly conversation online. That uh, that I should be quiet and listen, yeah. and mm-hmm. but what was being said was anti biblical. Yeah, I said mm-hmm. God has called me to actually to speak truth. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a minister of the gospel. I, I'm I'm not called to be quiet. I'm called to speak truth in love, especially when other people are telling lies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially when other people are telling lies, and so there are a lot of you know really faithful Christians are very confused about all, all mm. of this, and and they hear you know, the the various uh, um, slogans that are out there and they see the names of organizations and they hear different terminology and they're thinking, it kind of seems like I should be in agreement with all of this, but it all sounds Mm -hmm. like it's undermining the gospel. Well, guess what? A lot of it is undermining Mm -hmm. the gospel.
1: And and that's why it's so important. um, We come back time and time again to this on this podcast, but it's so important to catechize our people. To teach them proper doctrine, mm-hmm. because without that, then yes, every vain philosophy will, will just carry us away because we don't, we're not rooted and grounded in the truth. Um, and you know, we haven't even begun in our discussions to to talk about the ways that the sexual sexual revolution has has uh, joined up yes. with critical theory and and confused even more people uh, about some of these things and the way that they interact with one another, um, but catechism is is so important. Teaching proper doctrine and being grounded in the truth of God's Word is vital uh, even more now um, because of all of this confusion
2: going on in the culture. One, one of the things I'd like to think about some more about this is the reality of when you take critical, and I'm not speaking about just bits and parts here, I'm saying suppose you take the whole theory you ask yourself the question at the end of the day, what is the purpose of your life? What is the end of all of this? And we're not speaking about what is the end of society. That's a that's a different question. The question is what is the what is your end? Yeah and ultimately when you get down to it what is your end it is to be identified with something <laughs> in some way or fashion so if you're speaking about this from the vantage point of critical race theory the the end goal would be to invert the actual uh, perceived power dynamic so that we're all just kind of one group of people yeah. it sounds like what you're trying to describe is what christ has done for the church it is by breaking down those walls that were already there. And many people have talked about this already, that there would be no stronger division among people than between Jew and Gentile, yeah. not just ethnically, but also by law, by the actual uh, code we see in the Old Testament. But note what the gospel does. It takes the people who are most separated from each other, both ethnically, culturally and all other ways. And somehow those disparate groups of people have now been brought together. And again, this is not just saying that these are people who happen to like each other come together in the church. Mm -hmm. If you believe what the New Testament says, we are mystically joined together in Christ. Our affinity, our union of one another is not temporary. It is permanent Mm -hmm. in the sense that we are united together in Christ and thus by each other. When you take the Lord's Supper, we don't have a black version of the supper and a hmm. white version of the supper and an mm. Asian version of the supper because we need to have separate spaces to feel each other out properly. No, we are purposely joined together. Mm. That's when we take the Lord's Supper. We look at the congregation that we're taking it with. And what the Christian gospel says very clearly is that what God has done in Christ has actually already established reconciliation. Amen. And when we speak about this whole idea of, well, what about these societal issues that arise? We're not speaking about creating a new society out there in the world in which everyone is kumbaya and all that sort of stuff. We know that will never happen. And let's just be honest with it. We know that cannot happen in this present age. What we are saying Is that the hope of the Christian gospel, and it's what we experienced in various forms right now? Is that God has already joined together people of different backgrounds, different long standing hostilities between tribes of people? He has already united them together at a fundamental level. So we're saying that when critical theory complains about the actual physical material differences among each other what the christian says is yes there are real issues that exist but realize that the union we have with christ is more real mm. than the issues that we have in this world with each other the reality is that we are one and we're not just making a mental assent to say that If we believe the scripture to be true, Christ has already joined us together. We are one body together now as
0: it is. Amen. 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 Uh, Paul, to the Galatians uh, chapter Mm 3, verse 27, writes, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Mm -hmm. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus." and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise and, and so as God's children in the same family we do not adopt secular ideologies that are materialistic and that are uh, bringing division uh, you know identity politics rather than bring us together it actually uh, drives us apart, makes us suspicious of one another. Uh, this is ungodly, and uh, can I just say too um, that there are cottage industries. Oh yeah, multi yeah, hundreds no. of millions of dollars have been raised and are being uh, directed into the bank accounts of leaders who are financially invested in keeping this kind of discourse going. Mm. And uh, if if the news agencies stop talking about it, their bank accounts are going to dry up. And so this whole thing is very money-driven as well, this whole trying to get people to believe that they must be racist because they have a certain color skin, or they must be oppressed because they have a certain color skin. And so it's just really important that as Christian believers, uh, number one, that we do not believe the lies, Mm -hmm. that we are dissidents in that way. We say, no, we will not believe the lies of the culture. We will not let the culture catechize us according to its wicked ideologies. Mm-hmm. We will be catechized by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, we will not get caught up in the angry rhetoric of the culture either. That's right. Because everybody is speaking so in such angry um, uh, terms, and the political... Uh, kind of angst has, has come into the church and there's just so much angry rhetoric and we don't want to adopt that way of communicating with one another even with our unbelieving friends we want to speak winsomely we want to diffuse the angry discussions we want to speak the truth but to do so always in love and that's going to be a true fruit uh, of, of, of a life that is in union with Christ. We bear the fruit of this glorious gospel. Um, And uh, and finally, we want to be committed to the mission of the church. As Gabe said earlier, the mission of the church is not to transform the culture. Mm -hmm. Show me anywhere in the Bible where it says the mission of the church is to transform this present evil age Mm -hmm. and all of the culture. No, the mission of the church is to make disciples, and as as the gospel is preached, as we make disciples, lifelong disciples, those disciples will go out in their various callings and be salt and light Mm. and make an impact and share the gospel, and there will be changes here and there. But this idea that the church's mission is to kind of bring everybody together, as Gabe said, to sing Kumbaya and uh, to have the big group hug, you know, the Coca-Cola commercial from the 70s, you know, um, that, that's that's not uh, the calling of, of the church. The calling of the church is to make mature disciples, and mm. that is not going to come through secular ideologies of any kind, mm. and so we must stand firm in the Scripture. This is... I believe the kind of Luther moment of our day for Luther the the doctrine was justification yeah. the attack on Scripture was the traditions of the church that was the kind of Babylonian captivity today it's a it's a cultural captivity yeah. the yeah. culture is making its way into the church and it's causing great confusion we must say no Man. we will not let it in we will not teach it, we will not feel guilty by it, we will love our neighbor. If we have any racist um, uh, leanings in our hearts, we repent of them. Mm-hmm. And we, if we offend a brother or a sister, we go to them and confess that sin. But we don't live under the, the lies of these ideologies. We look to Scripture and we look to Christ. Brothers, this has been a great uh, discussion, and uh, I hope that uh, all who are listening have been encouraged by it. If you have any questions about these complicated subjects, please contact Pastor Michael Bauer at Christ Church <laughs> Presbyterian, and he'll clear it all up for you. <laughs> and we hope you'll be with us next time on Between the Times.